I just lay here? Would you lie with me and just forget the world? Forget what we're told before we grow too old. It's your old chuckle buddy, Kisu. Jonathan James Ramcharan, reporting live for duty. Yes, I am. On this magnificent May 18th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Welcome to Jonathan Ramcharan, the podcast. If I lay here. If I just lay here, would you lie with me and... See, that's definitely the um, the white privilege speaking. Because <laughs> you know what a black man lays here? <clears throat> Yo, if I... <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? If I lay here, you know, you know what I'm saying? If I just lay here, would y'all lay with me and... Uh, just forget the world. It's like, fuck no, nigga. Get your ass up and go to work. Mm-mm, I ain't fuck. I ain't no want no scrub. Mm, I don't want another nigga lying on my sofa. My feet are killing me. I'm barefoot pregnant, working at Taco Bell. <clears throat> no, nigga. Get your ass. I ain't, no, ain't going to lie here with you. <clears throat> Society definitely won't. Don't expect your woman to. <clears throat> if you knew the podcast, Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, I am an actor extraordinaire and that song by snow patrol it's like a soft rock tune right the rock band snow patrol if i lay here i was actually just watching it on youtube uh just for what i want to talk about right now you know as i mentioned i am an actor and uh you know People got all sorts of opinions and blah, 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 about shit that they have no fucking bumba clap, blood clap, bumba clap, hell idea about. They just run the fucking yap. I was over at the grocery store the other day, right? I was picking up some sparkling water. I like sparkling water. You know, carbonated, uh, naturally flavored water. It's delicious. So I'm picking up a few bottles, right? And there's the stock boy, two stock boys. They're standing there in the aisle and they're talking. And one of the stock boys is like, <laughs> yeah, like that band, uh, the Snow Patrol? Like, <laughs> like, remember they had that song on the Spider-Man 3 soundtrack? I mean, <laughs> they just recently played the Danforth Music Hall. And it's like, uh, sorry, buddy, but uh, that song isn't going to make your career. I mean, you know, they thought they were going to make their career off of that song. And <laughs> there they are playing the Danforth Music Hall. <laughs> Dude. You're a fucking stock boy. Not even a good stock boy at that. He's standing right in front of the sparkling water. I gotta wedge my way past him to get to the fucking thing. You know? It's like you're a fucking disgruntled stock boy. You know? Instead of stalking the fucking shelf, a fucking monkey can do it. There you are, babbling and fucking criticizing a rock band that, for all intents and purposes, made it. You know what the fucking percentage, possibility, um, likelihood of a rock band making it? Okay, you got to have five people come together. Let's say three people. You know, you got the bassist, the guitarist, the vocalist, and the drummer. You got three people, let's say, just like a three-piece outfit, three-piece band. What are the chances of three grown adults getting their shit together in unison to come together on a project despite all the odds, family obligations, work obligations, financial obligations, life, health, just the day-in-day struggles to come together in their spare time to be creative to the point in which people are like, hey, your creativity is so unique and interesting, we'll pay you. We'll pay you to be creative. Then they get paid to be creative. They get a fan base. And the only way to get a fan base is to do shows. People have to know about you. So as a band, you got to get out there, do shows, shitty gigs, shitty nightclubs, get your ass on the road against all the odds, you know, family pressures, 
um, personal pressures, all the odds, they make it. Then they get into a fucking film. Their song, one of their songs, get into a hit Hollywood film. Granted, it ain't the most creative shit ever, Spider-Man 3. I mean, come on, (laughs) I saw it. But like, come on, that's major shit. And then they're, then they're playing the Danforth Music Hall. The Danforth Music Hall, one of the most prestigious venues in Toronto, Canada. One of the biggest metropolises in the world. Toronto, Canada, Danforth Music Hall. That's a major venue. You're blessed to play there, bro. You're fucking blessed. And this fucking stock boy, you know, <laughs> these, uh, these guys, uh, you know, they really thought their careers were going to take off. It's like... Dog, they're probably multi-millionaires. They're probably making like, I don't know, maybe 10 grand a piece for that gig at the Danforth Music Hall. Like, they're living a blessed, charmed life, man. And think of the pussy that they racked up because of that fucking tune. If I lay here, if I just lay here, would you lie with me and suck my fucking cock? <laughs> That's right, you fucking bitch, lay there. You know? The shit ain't for the faint of heart. So when people get criticized and then talking nonsense, that's what I mean, you know? As an actor, which I am, 18 years in the game. Or maybe more, I don't even know. No, no, I I recently did the count. 18 years in the game. And uh, I'm just blessed to do it. And, you know, people got criticisms, you know, is my point, you know? They got, criticism, they got criticisms of people on the top of the heap. They got criticisms on people in the middle and the bottom and in between. So I don't let that shit get to my head. Don't give a blood clot, bumba clot fuck. Doing my thing. And uh, some very interesting, inspiring things coming up for old Jonathan Ramtran here on Jonathan Ramtran the podcast. I got uh, in the mail, I got a book coming from Amazon. Yes, I purchased a book called um, The Art of Pantomime. What is pantomime exactly? Let me look up the definition. Got it right here. Got my cell phone out. Love this technology these days, you know. I don't have to know nothing. Actually, no, I'm going to use the fucking dictionary. Fuck technology. I use dictionaries. I could use my cell phone, but no. Just for old times' sake, shits and giggles. Good old-fashioned dictionary. Dictionary! Dictionary! What is the definition of pantomime, you fucking stupid book? Come on, spit it out. Okay, where we are. All right, pajamas. Hmm, What is it? Hey, pajamas. Night clothes consisting of loose-fitting trousers and crotchless panties. Pajamas. I didn't know that. Okay, what else do we got here? Um, Pantomime, pantomime. Uh, propeller, mm. Pro- profiteer, profiteer, mm. profiteer, a person who makes excessive profits on the sales of scarce or rationed goods, aka slumlord. Okay, all right, pantomime, 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 placebo, <laughs> placebo, a substance having no pharmaceutical effect but given to placate a patient or as control in testing a drug lies here swallow this lie i feel better pantomime 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 for god's sakes how do you oh we're back at pajamas (laughs) how do you use a dictionary maybe i should use my cell phone Uh, enough of this enough of this fucking lollygagging i want to get to the bottom of this pantomime pantomime Pantomime, an entertainment in which the performers express themselves by gestures alone. You know, look at me, I'm pretending to jerk somebody off. Actually, no, I'm actually jerking off somebody. No, like, that's what I'm doing. I'm getting this book on pantomime, and it's this really, the author is Charles Aubert. I guess he was a famous French pantomime actor, mime or something. Charles Aubert. And yeah, the art of pantomime, entertainment in which the performers express themselves by gesture alone. So it's like kind of like um, physical, physical acting, you know, physicality. 
And I had this book before, but I recent I had lost it in a move. And um, it's this book about, uh, to reiterate the point, you know, physicality, gesture, body language, and that's really expressive and a real expressive tool as an actor. So I'm really happy and excited to get to get into that, to take my, to work on my chops, you know? Uh, there's so many different levels to acting. There's the voice, there's the body, there's the, the emotion, the mind. There's so many different levels to what make a good performance, right? The physicality of a performance. For example, I'm talking about pantomime, which is like physicality. One example, a famous example of, um, well, for example, Mr. Bean. Y'all know Mr. Bean and love Mr. Bean, that wacky British guy with that bug-eyed and brown hair and that little mole and his little, and his little teddy bear and that little fucking weird little tiny car he drove. That's like all pantomime. That's all like um, physicality, physical humor. Mr. Bean. Or like uh, the power of physical acting would be, for example, one of the most famous is uh, Raging Bull. I'm so stupid. I'm so fucking stupid. <laughs> I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. Oh, you treat me like this. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck your mother. Your mother's cunt. Your mother's cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Raging Bull, Robert De Niro, you know, um, he famously in that role, you know, got his body into great shape, got into boxing shape, right? And uh, boxer shape. And then he put on like 60 pounds or something crazy like that to play the character Jack LaMotta. He was going to play his character later in life, right? So the first part of the film, he's Jake, Jake LaMotta, uh, young professional world champion boxer. Then the second half of the film, he's Jake LaMotta, 20 years later, fat, bloated, alcoholic, chain-smoking, wife-beater, you know what I mean? And he won an Oscar for that role, but that was such a crazy physical transformation he made for that film. So that's my point. There's so many different elements to acting. Uh, the physicality, uh, the voice, the emotion. The mind, the emotion, those are connected, right? And obviously, well, it's all connected with the mind if you really want to get technical. But uh, yeah, so I'm really excited for this book on pantomime, you know? I'm working on my, uh, working on my physical, physical acting, so to speak. Very blessed. I'm also making steps towards uh, some future... Uh, future goals with my acting. Um, I recently put aside a humble bit of money. Humble, humble, not bragging. I put aside some money to um, start a little fund for something that I want to do with my acting in the future. So I will let you know more about that when the time comes. Don't want to talk out of school. Don't want to talk out of turn. You know, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. I'm not an animal. <laughs> I'm also a alcoholic. Yes, if you're new to the show, I am an alcoholic. Two years, uh, six months of sobriety. If you need uh, recovery in your life, I encourage you to go out and get it. It'll change your life. It will show you who you can really be. It can show you all the potential that you have within. Just the fact of waking up every morning without some kind of alcoholic hangover, some drug-addled hangover, you got your health, you got a little bit of money, you got a shot at life. You're giving yourself a chance, right? So um, there ain't no shame in it. When I was at the bottom of my rung, uh, I just thought to myself, yo, like what's the most exciting thing I can do? The answer for me, recovery. I got into a 12-step program, started listening to different podcasts about recovery, alcoholism. I learned about my condition. I got a two-part condition. Number one, when I was in full addiction, thank God I'm relieved of my compulsion to drink. But when I was in addiction, I had a two-part 
uh, well, I shouldn't say addiction. I'm an alcoholic. I don't want to use words that, you know, careful of your words, you know, like I'm, I'm an alcoholic. Sure, it was an addiction problem, but I mean, addiction is kind of correlated with drugs and this and that. And, you know, specifically speaking, my alcoholism. I, that's how I feel. I feel words are important, so call it what it is. When it comes to my alcoholism, I had a two-part condition. One, I had a mental obsession, meaning I would have this... Oh, actually, let's, let's call it... Um, sorry, let's go in the way in which it's described in some, of the, in some of the work I've read, in some of the works I've read, in some of the studies I've read, in some of the, you know teachings I've learned, I've garnered over the years as an alcoholic. Okay. Two-part condition. Number one, I have an allergic reaction to alcohol. So when I take a drink of alcohol, I can't safely say when I'll stop. It sets me off in a craving mode, that allergic reaction. So that's the first thing. If I take a drink of alcohol, something happens in my body where it's just some trigger gets set off and I go into a craving mode and I go into a continuous drinking mode. The non-alcoholic doesn't have that. What research says, what people say, you know? Alcohol, alcoholism is actually defined as a disease by a lot of medical societies. So I'm not just saying things frivolously. Frivolously? I'm not saying things feverishly. Like, it's a disease. And that's part of it. It's that allergic reaction. When you take a drink, you, you, you break out into craving mode, and you can't safely say when you'll stop. The non-alcoholic, generally, they take a drink. Okay, maybe I'll have another one. Maybe I won't. Who knows? But they're not in a craving mode. The body isn't just in a physical craving mode where it's like they can't control themselves. And number two, the second part, the second uh, part of the condition of alcoholism is the mental obsession. You know, when you get drinking, your body goes into a craving mode and then you get this mental obsession that will stay with you even after drinking. When you wake up in the morning hungover, you got this mental obsession that's continuously in your head. This little hamster wheel <laughs> running around in your head, this hamster wheel. Will you drink? Won't you drink? When can you drink? You should stop drinking. You should drink more, less. When can you drink? Did somebody say something about drinks? Drinking. You're mentally obsessed. So that's the two-part condition of alcoholism to bring it home. You got the... Um, Physical craving that you, that you break out with an allergic reaction and you're physically craving alcohol once you take that first drink. And number two, the mental obsession. So um, it's important for me to put that word out there for people, you know. If you got those problems, you can have 99 problems, but alcoholism cannot be one. Get some recovery. Listen to Jay-Z, for God's sakes. That was just like a, you know, cute little fucking, uh, I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one. That was just like a cute little um, interjection. Jay-Z doesn't have no drinking problems. He got no problems. The man's a fucking multimillionaire. But what I'm saying is, if you got this alcoholism, this addiction, this substance abuse problem, please go out and seek help. You know? Amen. I am also a janitor. Yeah, I'm a janitor, so what, huh? I mop floors, huh? Buff hallways, sweep, sweep out closets, flush toilets, change paper towels, so what, huh? You wouldn't kiss a janitor, huh? Too dirty, too grimy for you, huh? No, Jonathan, no. I love janitors. My father was a janitor. I used to have a crush on, um, you know, the high school janitor. I love janitors. It's just in your head. You're mental. You're delusional. You're making these things up. I never said anything to you like this. Ah, you lying bitch. Huh? 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 Yeah, I'm a janitor. Um, I sweep floors, scrub toilets. Um, 
You know, I work in this downtown office and all these fucking office dwelling morons, all they do all fucking day long is they eat and they shit. <laughs> they're in the toilet, they're taking pisses, shits all fucking day. And, uh, but hey, it's a blessed gig. What it does is it provides me with an income. It keeps me sober. It's, uh, well, it, it facilitates my sobriety, right? Like I got like something to do during the day to make money, a task I could focus on, you know? Idle hands are the devil's playground, right? So when you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs, that's when a lot of the evil creeps in, right? You know, you, you get to thinking, hmm, what if? So yeah, I'm very blessed to have a full-time job. I work during the day. Gives me a paycheck, covers my bills, and it gives me the opportunity to continue with my acting. Because if I didn't have, um, if I didn't have, you know, a stable job, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't pursue my acting the way I want to, right? I, I couldn't have a little money to put aside from time to time to, to. Um, for further education, for paying of my bills. I mean, it's the reality. I have to live in a house, right? I got to pay for bills and shit, right? And um, it's a very simple, straightforward job is why I like it. It doesn't get too far into my head, thankfully. I can just do my job, go home. I've worked a lot of different types of jobs in my day, right? And uh, I like a straightforward job that doesn't remind me of anything. I don't have to think about shit, just, okay, whatever. I sweep the floor, mop the floor, call it a day. Go home and be an artist. And uh, as, I mentally re- as, I mentally, as I mentally mentioned on a previous podcast, um, I had almost gotten into... I had almost gotten into a fight with a co-worker. Yes, I did. And um, you know what? If you want to hear the full story, please feel free. You're invited to check out episode number 74, Would You Fight a Coworker? In that episode, I mentioned how I almost got into a fisticuff with a uh, pizza delivery man <laughs> at my job as a janitor. And um, you know what? The blessing is, uh, I had time to deflate, I had time to reflect, and everything turned out roses. Um, I went and I saw, well, I didn't, went, I didn't go to see, but I wound up seeing that pizza delivery driver at work. And we talked it out, and everything's water off a duck's ass. Quack! You know, it's all good. We've mended our little fucking beef and um, it's a blessing, you know what I mean? It's, it's the nature of work. You're in a hive. We're all bees in a hive. Sometimes you bump into one bee, right? Fuck you, watch where you're going. You watch where you're going. Fuck you. Fuck you. You know, we're just bees in a hive sometimes, buzzing around for no fucking reason. And the petty little squabbles of a day-to-day life, the minutiae, the nine-to-five, the office dwelling, you know, the fucking uh, donkey and the carrot, you know, just the little bullshit endeavors of a life sometimes get on people, right? And um, that's really all it was. We squashed it. It was okay. But if you do want to know the full story of how I almost fought a pizza delivery man, please, you're invited. Check out episode number 74 of Jonathan Ramter on the podcast. Yeah. And last of all, I am a stand-up comedian. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, uh, ladyboy. Yes, yes, yes. I'm a stand-up comedian. 11 years of experience. Um, ups and downs, smiles and frowns. lot to learn. But I do have a lot of experience, and I'm just rocking with it. Um... As I had mentioned before, I'm an alcoholic, and uh, there was years in there when I was just blackout drunk. I'd go on stage drunk high, you know, chain-smoking cigarettes. <laughs> hey, what do you motherfuckers want to hear a joke? 
you know, thinking I'm fucking God's gift or some shit. Got some laughs here and there, but overall it was pretty drug-addled, alcoholic. And I say, and then I say, and I say, I always got to watch the fucking language because, um, you know, sometimes things sound funny or good, but like I wasn't drug-addled. Drugs weren't really, I mean, well, if you call it, marijuana is a drug, so fuck it, I guess so. I was high, smoking marijuana all the time, uh, drunk all the time. And I go on stage bumbling around like an idiot. And uh, one character I used to have was Cookie Bear. Hi everyone, my name's Cookie Bear. And I just get all, I'd be all fucking drunk and I'm like, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's Cookie Bear. Cookie Bear wants some pussy. I want pussy because I'm Cookie Bear. Could Cookie Bear eat your pussy, please? I'm Cookie Bear. Cookie Bear is there for you. He always loves you and things to do. Cookie Bear. Cookie Bear. I don't know how funny it was. Like, I was just drunk and high. But, like, I would I pretend like I was this guy called Cookie Bear. And I don't know. Like, it all stemmed from the premise. Like, I used to have this premise. A premise is just like an idea for a joke. You know what I mean? Like... A premise. What is the premise of your argument? Well, this is the premise of my argument. This is my point. So I guess a premise, a point. I had a premise for a joke where it's like, you know, Elmo. You know what I'm jealous of Elmo? Every time Elmo walks into a room, he's just under the assumption that everybody loves him. Everybody wants Elmo. Hi, everyone. It's me, Elmo. It's me. Hi, Elmo. And everyone's all fucking happy and giddy to see Elmo. And they rush up to him. They're hugging him and petting him and kissing him. Oh, we love you, Elmo. Elmo loves you, too. Like, fuck you, Elmo. When was the last time anyone ever gave a shit to see me? I walk into the room, the lights go out, you know? No one's ever happy to see me. And then that's where I started getting that idea where it's like, hmm, what if, like, I had a character, too? Like, I'm Cookie Bear. And I'd just be all, I'd be up backstage drinking a beer, you know, chain smoking a cigarette. <laughs> All right, your next comic. Welcome uh, to the stage, Jonathan Ramcharan. Yeah. And I'd sidle up there. Good evening, everyone. It's me, Cookie Bear. Cookie Bear. Hey, hey, you in the front row. Nice tits. Can I eat your pussy? It's me, Cookie Bear. Aren't you fucking happy to see me? Cookie Bear. See, you know, like I said, a lot of experience, but still a lot to learn, a lot to grow. I mean, it wasn't very funny back then. I don't see where, if it's that funny now, but it's, you know, it was just a little, little phase I was going through, right? Like I said, ups and downs, smiles and frowns, the journey, the life in art, a journey in life in art, in artistry, comedy, stand-up comedy. And the cops are coming. They're going to come and take me away. All right, I'm getting lit right now. <clears throat> There's the light. Got to go. Fuck off. Oh, there's always an emergency. So anyways, there you have it. Those are the four things that sum me up at the moment. Jonathan Ramcharan. Actor. Alcoholic. Janitor. Stand-up comedian. So welcome to Jonathan Ramcharan the podcast. I gotta let the intro. I got to let the, I got to let the I got to let the intro slide, you know? If you have any questions, queries, or qualms, hit me up, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Let me know if you're out there listening, out there in the atmosphere. Let me know. Hit me up with a question, a qualm, a complaint, a query, something. Let me know. A like, a love, a lambastment. Hit me, jr.thepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, we're into spring here in downtown Toronto. It is fucking beautiful. It's early in the morning, the Saturday morning. The sun's creeping out. The plants are turning green. The birds are singing. The squirrels are fucking running around. It's beautiful, man. Um, I got a few tasks I got to do today. Um, as I mentioned, I am a... Stand-up comedian extraordinaire. I host a show of my own. 
Our Righteous Mike. That's a stand-up comedy show that I host here in downtown Toronto. Please feel free to come and, uh, if you live in the area, come down and check us out. We'd love to have you. we got all sorts of great comedians on the show. Um, it's a show that I host uh, bi-weekly, every other Thursday, at a venue called Cranberry's Restaurant. Yes, Cranberry's Restaurant in old dear cabbage town, Toronto, Canada. You could check us out on my website, jonathan-ramtran forward slash shows. All the information's there. And we got all sorts of, all sorts of great comics, like uh, amateurs. We got uh, intermediate, kind of like myself, people that are like in that in-between phase where they're just trying to kind of step it up to the next level. They got some experience, they're funny, they're this, they're that, and they're trying to get over to that professional level. Then we even have some professionals, you know, people who have been on CBC, CBC Radio, CBC Network, television. They've been on um, different festivals, Just for Laughs, uh, fucking uh, Winnipeg Comedy, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Winnipeg Comedy Festival, different shit like that, right? So... Definitely come check out the show if you got the chance. If you're living in the area, we'd love to have you. You can see me, your old chuckle buddy. Kiss you. Jonathan James Ramtran in my fucking glory, telling jokes, insulting people. Cookie Bear might even show up. Cookie Bear, can I eat your pussy? So, um, yeah. So I got to go do some postering for the show today. And that's a blessing, man. Um, I got this beautiful poster that my friend, Nathan Evergreen, he is a... uh, Artist hailing out of uh, Vancouver, Canada. He, uh, yeah, he does this really cool artwork, hand-drawn, real uh, dreamlike artwork that's kind of funky and out there. He's got a theme of animals. He really likes animals, so there's always a kind of cute little twist to it with the animals and shit. So um, he made me this great poster, and... Uh, that's one of my little tasks for the day. I'm going to go and poster, you know, keeping it positive, keeping it healthy. You know what I mean? Go stick up some posters, you know, tack some posters up. Stick them up against a fucking uh, lamp post, you know, for a dog to piss on. So, yeah, that's what I got planning for the day. I also got some shopping to do. I got to get some face wash. Been noticing my face is a little oily lately. I don't know what it is. I eat pretty good. But sometimes I don't. But sometimes I do. Mostly I do. I'm a pescatarian. I only eat, uh, well, I'm like a variant of a pescatarian vegetarian. I don't know exactly what you would call me. There, there, comes like, there becomes like different levels I've noticed. Like um, people get real specific with their eating habits. And I don't even know what I'd call myself. Like I'm a pescatarian, but I don't think I'm technically a pescatarian because... Pescatarians, I think they only eat, um, they eat vegetables and they eat fish, seafood, but I don't think they eat any other animal products. I think it's just fish and vegetables and fruit and shit. I eat fish, vegetables, but I have animal products. I'll eat eggs, I'll eat dairy products like cheese, milk. So I'm not technically a pescatarian, I don't think but I'm somewhere in there. But I've been noticing my face has been getting a little, oh my God, you know, a little little shiny, you know. Sometimes you get those little fucking whiteheads. Not really. Like, you know, when, like, what do they call those things? Those Yeah, whiteheads, right, on your nose. It's hard for a black man to get a white head. But what I'm saying is like, you know, face is getting a little shiny and sheeny. So I think I've got to get some face wash. I've been thinking of like tea tree oil. That's what I heard is pretty good. Tea tree oil. So I'm going to slide by the old body shop. You know? I think that's like a... I don't know. It's just like a fragrance chain. Soap products, perfumes, fragrances, face wash. The body shop. They got cruelty-free testing on all their products. So, you know, no fucking hamster got a fucking, you know, facial during a... Hold still, you little fucker. We're going to try this out. 
like they, they, they take some fucking like shampoo and they put it in the hamster's hair. He's like, no, no, stop it. Hold still, you little fuck. We want to see if the shampoo works. They're like washing his little sh- washing his little hamster hair. You know, they don't they don't take they have a cruelty free policy on all their products at the body shop, which I like. And uh, I think they got some good shit. So you know, gotta go get my face washed. You know, it's important as an actor, as a performer, as a comic, as one who strodes the boards, who strides the boards. It's important that um, you know. You do that fucking cosmetic shit. You know, you gotta look cute for the camera. <laughs> Kitching. And I also have to go pick up a stool. Not a stool sample. I mean a stool. Like, um, you know, like a, a stool. Do you understand what I'm saying, people? A stool. Um, I'm a bass guitar play- player. And as I mentioned in the previous episode, um, I just gotten a new bass guitar. Didn't really speak too much about it on the la- last episode. It's a uh, Fender Squire. So that's like their sub... Uh, that's like their economic version of a Fender. Right? It's slightly less expensive than a made-in-America Fender guitar. It's, a, it's like their uh, sister company or their child company, right? Uh, Squire. And um, it's this beautiful 1970s bl- jazz bass. Black body, black pickguard, black inlays. So that's just like on the fretboard um, where the normal dotted... Uh, the dotted uh, inlays would be on a guitar. The inlays are basically markers on the fretboard to show you where you are on the fretboard, like the third fret, the fifth fret, the seventh fret, the ninth fret, the twelfth fret. They have these little dot inlays as markers. That way, when you're playing, you have, if I don't know, you have a, a visual of where you are. It's kind of like a, a marking. Well, they got these black uh, inlaid ones which is a funky kind of 70s design which is probably not making any sense (laughs) to any of you listening if you're not into guitars and shit but if you want to check out a picture check out episode 74 of jonathan ramtram on the podcast you'll see it on the website there's a picture of the uh, bass guitar and um, it's just a beaut and i never really talked much about it on the last episode so um i thought i'd kind of Mention it a little bit, just to show some gratitude. This new bass guitar of mine I'm playing, and it sounds great. I got this Ampeg uh, amplifier, and the tone is just... I'm really digging the tone. I'm really digging the new sound. It's its fun to play, because I was playing on some beat-up uh, Craigslist purchased bass guitar gear, and it sounded like shit, and I was getting sick of it. So I wanted to get something different to kind of um, inspire my inspire my playing, my practicing. It's my hobby, right? So thought I'd invest in my hobby a little bit, keep myself active and happy, motivated. And uh, yeah, sounds great. Um, but I have to pick up a stool is what I'm saying because uh, sometimes when you're playing guitar, sitting in a chair, especially a bass guitar, it's, it's considerably, it's fairly larger than your average guitar. It's a little bit longer, a little bit bulkier. So you're sitting slopped down in a chair. It's, it's a little awkward. I prefer a stool, all right? So if you're going to sit and play, right? So I got to go pick up a stool. Exciting. That's some of the gratitude and excitement of a sober life, you know? I'd be picking up a hooker. There was once a time when I got my dick sucked by two separate hookers in a fucking night for $40. Two different $20 crack whores blew me back in my drinking days. So that's what my fucking life used to be like. Today I'm getting face wash and buying stools to sit on. I'm so fucking cute. So, you know, very blessed is what I'm saying. Very blessed to do so. So, you know, that's some of the excitement for my day. Um, You know, and I'm back. I'm back to doing open mics. That's what I wanted to talk about a bit on this episode. Um... If you're new to Jonathan Ramtran, the podcast, and I keep fucking saying that, uh, I had stopped doing open mics for like a period of time, like maybe seven months, a few months, I'd stopped doing open mics. 
And an open mic, for those of you who don't know, is like uh, in the comedy world, it's basically just a bar gig where the stage is open to anybody who signs up. You show up, you sign up on the sign-up sheet, then you can go on stage and tell some jokes. Now that's a tool that most comics use, especially in the early days. That's a tool that most comics use in order to do their craft. I mean, you can really... I hate to admit it because I come from theater. As I mentioned, I am an actor. And actors, you really only have the rehearsal and the performance. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, there's no test period. You know, you rehearse your lines, you rehearse the play, you rehearse the film, and then action, right? So I hate to admit this, but the only way to really get better as a stand-up comic is to perform. I mean, I, I tried it where it's like, okay, well, fuck open mics. I'm sick of doing them. I'm sick of going to them. I got enough experience. I've been doing it for long enough. I'll just write. I'll just write at home and I'll do my booked gigs when I get them and let the, car, let the cards fall where they may. No, you need that time on stage to be comfortable, to know your rhythm, to get into a flow. You know what I mean? Like, you need that time to feel comfortable. Even if you've been doing it for a while, you get rusty, right? And it makes sense. It's like anything. If you, you know, you got to use it or you lose it. So I've been doing open mics again. And uh, it's been feeling pretty good. It's been feeling pretty good. Um, and all of a sudden, it lit a spark. I've been writing like a motherfucker all week. I've been writing different jokes and shit like that. And it lights a spark under your ass, too, because that, then the possibilities arise. You get on stage, you start talking, blah, 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 one thing leads to another. Then all of a sudden, you got all these ideas for different things you want to do, different things you want to talk about. And uh, I did this open mic last week. Well, it was more like a booked show. It was booked, but it was very loose. It was semi-open mic, semi-booked show uh, in downtown Toronto, Blur Street, you know, Blur Street West in the uh, Ossington area of uh, Toronto. This little cafe called Saving Gigi. And it was fun. It was this room that uh, a couple comics I know put together. And it's like stand-up comedy and also, uh, I guess, music, you know. A couple uh, guitar strummers in the audience. There was a couple guitar strummers in the audience and... Um, you know, uh, what the fuck's it with, what the fuck is it with, like, guitarists, singer-songwriters, performing with their eyes closed? Every fucking guitarist, singer, when they went up there, they'd close their eyes, and their eyes are closed, and they're singing their song, and their eyes are closed, oh, and the soul, it's like, what? You just open your fucking eyes like it's pretty disrespectful to close your eyes in front of an audience you know what I mean like connect with me <laughs> I don't know just a little interesting observation I've noticed you know and it's actually quite hard to play with your eyes closed you know I, like I mentioned I play bass guitar it's not exactly easy to play with your eyes closed you gotta know what you're doing you know you ever try to eat a pussy with your eyes closed where am I you, you need your eyes open to see what's going on right So anyways, they're up there crooning with their eyes closed. But then this one girl, she was a windbag. She was the last, uh, she was the last uh, performer of the evening. She gets on there and she's kind of grumbling about her spot. It's like, well, yo, like, it's a, I don't know. I hate it when people just say things to be passive aggressive. I don't know. I didn't know how to take it. I felt kind of like, you felt, you, you felt kind of insulted as an audience member, really. She gets on stage and she's just like, Okay, well, I didn't know I was going to be this last on the show. Or, you know. Oh, sorry, sorry we stuck around to watch you. Sorry, sorry. I feel so bad that I stuck around to watch you. And yeah, I didn't know I was going to be this late in the show, but um, I got a couple songs for you. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, whatever, you stupid bitch, right? So, so she pulls out her fucking guitar and she starts singing. But she doesn't close her eyes. No, she kept her eyes open. But what she did was she, she scrunched and scrounged her face up. She was... <laughs> and 
and like she would like scrounge her face up. Like imagine like she looked like she was taking a shit. Like is this chick? She's taking a shit on my soul. She's taking a shit on my eardrums. She's taking a shit on my sense of guilt. You know? Oh, why did I have waited? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was gonna be this late going on the show. <laughs> scrounged up face she looked like she was taking a dump and i was just looking at her and i'm like mm. kind of on a, you know Ugh. and then she goes like this she pulls this one she goes um so this is the next song that i wrote it's about the reason i wrote this song is because um, the reason i wrote this song is because that's the only way i know how to express myself really you seem pretty expressive to me. You know, like, you, you fucking lambast us, you know? Oh, I didn't know I was going to be this late doing the show. And um, this next song I wrote, um, I, I'm originally from Toronto, but I live in Vancouver now. And um, I go between here and there. And this is a song I wrote about the wind and just, like, Mother Earth and womanhood. I, I, I met these four women, and we wrote this song. And um, it's about womanhood and this day and age and finding your place and finding your voice. And um, the reason why I wrote this song is because um, it's writing music and writing songs is really the only way I know how to express myself. Really? You seem pretty good at whining and whinging and babbling, you know? That's the only way you know how to express yourself? What about that fucking shit-addled dump face that you got going on, you know? You got dump face, baby. Baby got dump face, you know? Like she's taking a shit. But, you know, it was, it was a very fun evening, you know, and I went up there and I told some jokes, got a couple laughs, a couple guffaws, you know, and, you know, it felt pretty good up there telling some jokes. And it was a really cool, interesting night, and it felt good, and it felt good to be back at that. And where I am now as a comic is I just have to have that humility, as I mentioned. Um, and to be fair, that wasn't an open mic. It was more of a booked show, but... Um, just in general, getting back out there and doing more shows. Um, I have to have that humility to be open to whatever gig I can, because that's just where I am right now. I'm at a place right now where I just got to take whatever gig comes. And uh, I'm not going to scrounge my face up and complain about it. Oh, how come? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know I was going to be this number on the show. And, uh, you know, I take it with gratitude. I take what I can because that's just where I am. And uh, very happy to do so. And it was, um, it was a pretty cool night. It inspired me to go out and see more live music as well. Is the point I want to get to is like live music. It's just a real fun experience. You know what I mean? Seeing somebody play live. It's really cool. It's really enjoyable. I'm surprised I never did that that much as a youth. Because, um, well, I did. I went to a lot of concerts, but I didn't go to a lot of, like, um, indie shows. Like, I didn't, I didn't go to open mics. I didn't go to see local bands. I didn't do any of that. I, I'd go see a concert. Oh, Korn's in town. Or, like, you know, you know uh, Snoop Dogg's in town. I'd go see that. But, like, I never went to, like, open mics and cafes and local bands, right? So... Ah, I just feel, ah, I never felt so alive. I just feel invigorated, right? And it feels pretty good. And uh, just going to keep rocking with it. That's what, uh, that's what my goal is right now, is to just get out and do shit. Be as uh, involved and prolific as I can, right? Hallelujah. And I, and I want to talk to you about this. This was in the news lately. A little piece of news. Um... As you may or not know, here in Canada, one of the things that are on the docket and really world stage is basically um, the environment, you know, uh, global warming, uh, greenhouse gases, um, just the environment in general. And one thing that's going on with uh, the government is they're going back and forth with these different carbon tax debates. Now, the Justin Trudeau liberals, they're um, putting forth a carbon tax, an idea for a carbon tax. I don't know 100% the ins and outs, but basically they want to raise the carbon tax to $20 a ton, I think, or t some, shit, I should have really got the facts on that, but something like that, $20 a ton, or they want to raise it to, 
I don't know what the fuck it is, but they're raising the carbon tax and uh, for all intents and purposes. That's what I'm getting. And people are trying to, um, you know, for, for corporations, I guess, $20, $20 a ton, which trickles down to a little bit more for us, I guess. I don't, I don't really know. But it's the idea of keeping corporations accountable through tax for their um, carbon emissions, right? And you got to do it. You fucking got to do it because people don't care any other way. Whenever you want to hit home, whenever you want to make a point to a person, you got to do it through finance. I'm sorry. That's just the world we live in. We live in a beautiful world with hope for the future. We do. The other day I saw um, a gym class, you know, a bunch of kids, like tweenagers, you know, 12, 13, tweenagers, a gym class of tweenagers. They were going for a run. And it was the most inspiring thing I'd seen in a while. They had all sorts of different kids. Chubby ones, tall ones, skinny ones, cute ones, ugly ones. Some of them were kind of attractive. Couple different kids going for a run. And there was a pack of them, right? A pack of these little fucking chitlins. And they're running. Black, white, Asian, Indian. They're running together in a little pack, right? And the look on their faces. The look on their little fucking kid teenager faces their eyes were all alive and their little smiles and grins and they were chuckling and they were laughing <laughs> they were going for a run the little pack the little crew and i was like yeah you little fucking bastards right like the hope for the future like it was such a it, it truly made me feel happy they looked so alive and young and hopeful and cool they're all getting along they're all doing something positive together going for a run and it made me feel so good and alive and happy. And, you know, there is major hope for the future that people get together on a better level than we ever have. There's major hope, and that's the hope I live in. But I also believe in the realities of, you know, there's a lot of cynicism in the world. You know, the belief that people are motivated by self-interest, cynicism, and... When it comes to the environment, when it comes to money, when it comes to anything that's a bit of a headache, people are usually self-interested. And the only way to get through to some people and corporations, definitely corporations, the only way to get through to them is financially, through a tax. Like, we tax you for your carbon emissions, your pollution, your um, wastefulness. We have to have a tax, a certain standard that makes people know, hey, be conscious of your emissions. Be conscious of your waste, your carbon footprint, and be responsible. Because they don't care any other fucking way. There's no other way we would care. Why would a corporation, why would the average person bend over backwards to pick up a wrapper Oh, there's a piece of garbage on the ground. Well, I'll just walk past it. As a matter of fact, I'll throw another piece of garbage on top of it. I'm going to walk past it. There's no reason for anyone to care. You know? They see the writing on the wall. We know global warming exists. You know? And the writing's on the wall, but we pretend like we don't see because it's inconvenient. It's inconvenient to us to give a fuck. Right? That means there's an extra something I have to do. And what do I care about? Me. So why would I do it? Check this out, for example. Listen to this horrible story. Philippines recalling ambassador in Canada over trash shipments. Now, this is in the weekend, uh, May 17th to 20th, 2019 edition of the uh, Star Metro Toronto. It's the free news rag that they hand out here in downtown Toronto. It's of a, it's of a liberal twist. Um, I, I lie in... Who cares where my politics, politics lie? I just lie in the truth. <laughs> Isn't that a... What do you call it? An oxymoron? A conundrum? A little bit of wordplay? Where do my politics lie? My politics lie in the truth. So um, anyways, check this. Philippines recalling ambassador in Canada over trash shipments. Relations between countries strained over allegations of illegal shipped garbage. 
Manila, Philippines. The Philippines is recalling its ambassador and consuls in Canada over Ottawa's failure to comply with a deadline to take back truckloads of garbage that Filipino officials say were illegally shipped to the Philippines years ago, officials said Thursday. Foreign Secretary Tiedro Loxin Jr., hope I'm pronouncing that right, Foreign Secretary, Foreign Secretary Tiedro Loxin Jr. tweeted the Philippines shall maintain a diminished diplomatic presence in Canada until its garbage is ship-bound there. The drastic move is the latest strain in, Philippi- in Philippine relations with Canada under President Rodrigo Duterte. Hope I pronounced that right. Under President Rodrigo Duterte. Duterte, Duterte, Duterte threatened last month to forcibly ship the containers of garbage back to Canada and dump some at its embassy in Manila if Canadian officials don't take back the waste. Officials later set a May 15th deadline for Canada to comply. Loxon said in his tweet that letters for the recall of the Philippine ambassador and consuls in Canada have been sent and that they were expected back in Manila after about a day. The recall shows that we are very serious in asking them to take back their garbage. Otherwise, we're going to sever relationships with them. Presidential spokesperson Salvador Pinello told a regular news conference. So they're saying that they're going to fucking sever relations with Canada unless we take back this garbage that we illegally shipped to them. Crazy. At least 130... Sorry, at least 103 containers of household trash. Household trash, you know, your everyday trash, including plastic bottles, plastic bottles and bags and newspapers and diapers were shipped in batches from Canada to the Philippines from 2013 to 2014. Most of the shipping containers remain in two parts, in two ports. Most of the shipping containers remain in two ports, in Manila and southern Subic Freeport sparking protests from environmental activists. Philippine officials say they were falsely declared by a private firm to recyclable plastic scraps. Philippine officials say they were falsely declared by a private firm as recyclable plastic scraps and have asked Canada to take back the garbage. So basically, we lied to them. That's the allegation that we said that, oh, it's recyclable, you'll make a ton of money on this, and we sent them a bunch of garbage. I don't know, that's my own interjection. Anyways... Duterte raised the garbage issue in a speech last month while officials from both countries were already discussing the resolution to the issue. The Filipino people will not stand for this. What a fucking horrendous thing, man. Canada? Like, if that's true, like, yo, take the garbage back. Pay for it, you know? Is the Philippines a third world country? They're a struggling nation. We ship their fucking women over here to be the nanny. I'm a nanny. I work at Tim Hortons. You know, like they got all these little menial jobs just trying to survive. You know, they live in a third world country. We ship them our garbage. What in the blood clot, bumba clot hell is that? You know, President Trudeau. <laughs> Prime Minister Trudeau with your fucking... <laughs> It's with sad regret that I have to inform you that my friend, Gord Downey of the Tragedy Hip, has passed away today at the age of 53. He was my friend, my lover. He cries like a bitch, like when, like, you know, his little buddy from the rock band, the Tragically Hip. And granted, I love the Tragically Hip. I cried too when Gord Downey died. And I never thought I could cry over a man who wore a feather in his hat, you know? If fucking uh, Peter Pan dropped dead tomorrow, I couldn't laugh hard enough. But, like... I cried over the misfortune of um, Gord Downey dying too, so I'm not trying to bring it there. But there's Prime Minister Trudeau crying over his friend's death on um, television. This was like, you know, a couple years ago. But now, you know, it's like, oh, lackadaisical. Oh, whatever, we ship over this garbage. And uh, whatever, who cares? Blah, 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 do-do-do, bureaucracy, da-da-da-da-da-da. If it's our garbage and we shipped it over there, stop with the horse shit, let's fucking fix it. And I like Prime Minister Trudeau. I voted for him. I believe in his carbon tax and shit like that. 
I think he's a pretty cool face for a prime minister in Canada, you know, young, youthful, in touch, kind of a bitch, but like, you know, like overall pretty cool. And I don't know, that's just my opinion on it, because, you know, you would think that if something like this, this has been in the news for at least a week now, and you would think that there would be a, a, a some sort of well, actually, no, in, my def- in his defense, I didn't really research this, so he might have addressed this. I don't know. But, I mean, this was in yesterday's paper, and there seems to be no conclusion. So it's like, if, if there's something like this, you know, our country shipping our own domestic garbage, our household garbage, being shipped and shitted on in the Philippines, if there's been no discussion, like, publicly, a public address, like, holy shit, as Canadians, as a country... We are very um, saddened and um, taken aback by this discovery that our, we've been shipping garbage to this third world country. We are going to take care of the cost. We're going to take care of this. We will, we will fix this. It's coming to the. It's came to the point where the prime minister, sorry, rather the the president of Philippines, has declared, uh, "We're going to sever the relationships with Canada if Canada does not take back the garbage." As the Filipino people, we will not stand for this. I will not stand for this as the Filipino Prime Minister. The Prime Minister, Prime Minister Trudeau, you listen. We Filipino people are sick of the garbage. There's too much garbage in our country. We're sick of this, Prime Minister Trudeau. I will sever all relationships with your country. No more nannies. No more Tim Hortons workers. No more sex boutique blowjobs. Nothing. Prime Minister Trudeau, until you take back the garbage, the the Filipino people have spoken. We will not stand for this. We gotta take back the garbage. You know? I like Filipino pussy. What if if they put a ban on Filipino pussy? No no more Filipino pussy? What's a nigga to do? (laughs) See? See, you know, I'm a crass asshole. I'm stupid. I'm ignorant. Calm down. But the bottom line is we got to pick up our garbage. Reduce, reuse, recycle, ladies and gentlemen. For the kids. For the kids listening out there. Like I said, the hope for the future. You know, those shining little fucking faces. For the future. we got to be responsible for our garbage. And we got to think about the environment. Come on. Let's get it together. I'm going to be on your ass about this, Trudeau. Ooh, I'm going to run your ragged boy. I'm going to follow this story. I'm going to run your ragged boy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow up on this motherfucking thing. Food for thought, ladies and gentlemen. Food for thought. And um, the big revelation for me in my personal life this week is um, I finally realized that, well, well, not finally. Like, this has been something that I've been, like, for example, like everyone, I have my personal opinions and my personal frustrations. So while I use my podcast and uh, comedy and conversation with friends, while I use those outlets as a way for me to, you know, talk and relate and, um, you know, be myself, I've realized that there's also a part of me that's very opinionated and defensive. And as an adult which is fairly new for me. I'm 32 years old. I was a youth up until two years ago. I was considered a youth. Now I'm a young man. And at 32 years old, I'm starting to realize, which I've been fighting for a long time, I've always been trying to be like under control with my opinions and my frustrations and not voice them and not let people into that, not get into that conversation. Because I can can reserve my frustrations and my opinions and that I can reserve that for discussion with people who really want to discuss things with me or my frustrations and my opinions. Like, what I'm saying is sometimes I find my frustrations and opinions don't blend in well in society. When we go to work, when we go out there in the world, as a civil person, as a civilian, I think our job is to just get along with each other, isn't it? Not to be overbearing, not to be this, that, and the other. Just get along with each other, drink a coffee, go home, whatever, right? 
live and let live. So that's the revelation that I've been realizing in myself lately is because for years I've been struggling to keep my opinions and my frustrations to myself. Sometimes people ask me about my career. Sometimes people ask me about my opinion. Sometimes people act in a certain way that I deem as ignorant, dismissive. I get defensive. I get this. I get that. And really, what I need to do is disengage. What I need to do is just be civil. <laughs> I'm learning how to be a civil person. And um, that's kind of like the revelation I had this week. And uh, going forward, I got a lot of beautiful things to do today. I'm going to go and poster for my show, do a little shopping, get a workout in, this, that, and the other. Um, and yeah, that's it. The Filipino people have spoken. It's your old chuckle buddy, guess who? Jonathan James Ramtron, reporting live for duty on this magnificent May 18th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Our Righteous Mike, that's the show I'm talking about. That's the show that I host. That's the show that I'm getting up and giddy about. We're doing a show this Thursday, May 23rd. Information on my website, jonathan-ramtran forward slash shows. Check us out. All right? Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, you live it, you love it, you realize it. Reduce, reuse, and recycle. I peace.